0: Welcome to the Earfluence Podcast, which is a podcast about podcasting from a podcast production company. I'm your host Jason Gillikin, CEO of Earfluence. And today I have a special guest in a studio that is new to us, Justin Laidlaw. Justin, how's it going today?
1: I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me.
0: Absolutely. So we are in our new podcast studio at American Underground in downtown Durham, North Carolina and Tim Scales is the um, Director of Growth at American Underground. And when we talked about setting up a podcast studio here, the first person that he said to reach out to was Justin Laidlaw, Buddy Ruski himself. And so I'm so excited to bring you into our first recording in uh, our d- downtown Durham studio.
1: Yeah, this is, this is great. I've, I've been dreaming of this, uh, this moment for a long time, having a, studio, a podcast studio in American Underground. Uh, so this is it's great to be here on the show and, and get to experience this
0: firsthand. That's awesome. So what we're going to talk about today is the Durham community to, uh, f- for a little bit, and then also just how podcasters can get involved with their communities. And because you've done such a, a great job of that, can you talk about your podcasting journey to start off with in the Buddy Ruski show?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Interestingly enough, my podcasting journey started in 2014, and it's centered around Durham. So those two ideas uh, have been working in tandem for some time. I had started blogging some. Uh, I had a, a regular column with a local online magazine here called Clarion Content, run by Aaron Mandel. He and I decided to to start a podcast uh, just because we felt like it was an opportunity to try different mediums. You know, podcasting was not super new then, but still pretty a pretty new platform. And we were both interested in, in media and journalism, how it was evolving, but also how Durham was changing at that time. And so we decided to do a podcast together. We did about 15 episodes. Um, those are still up. I believe they're on SoundCloud if folks want to check those out. And yeah, it was a really cool opportunity for me to branch out. I'd mostly been writing at that point. I had just started at north carolina central uh was going to school there for communications and so yeah it was a a great experience and after that i knew that i wanted to stay in podcasting it it was a medium that felt comfortable i was learning to have my own voice within that space Uh, my dad when i was growing up was a, a dj he did student radio when he was in college at central he was a dj when i was growing up so i listened to him a lot on the microphone at proms at, at school dances all these mm. things that he did and part of that presence i think was inside me somewhere and it just needed to be unlocked and i think doing that first podcast helped unlock that so i continued to be interested in the space and uh, i think it was november 2018 i recorded the first episode of the buddy ruski show with nick Walhauser who uh, is one of the folks that runs uh, Roundhouse here in Durham. It's a DJ collective and record label. So yeah, it was, it was awesome. I, I think, you know, in 2018, I was coming out of working uh, at Runaway, uh, the local clothing business, full-time. I had stepped away from that position earlier in the year in 2018, but still wanted to be connected to the community and continue to highlight things that I thought were cool and interesting and important. Here locally, and so I started that podcast uh, to continue
0: that mission. And Nick was my first guest. I mean, 2014 is very early, early days of podcasting. This is right around serial time, or just before serial time, when it just when the boom just came.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I um, I'm trying to think of what shows I was listening to back then. I, I was a big fan, um, or continue to be a big fan of of Bill Simmons, who at the time was at ESPN. Um, and had his own podcast then. He was a pretty early adopter into podcasting. Maybe the New York Times had the Daily at that point. I don't know, I, you, you're right though. I mean, it was, it was early. I, I don't have a, uh, my finger on when Serial was, but it was yeah. definitely early on in, in the sort of mass adoption of
0: podcasting. So Bill Simmons, I mean, I listened to him too and was listening to him back then. That guy is so remarkable. He seemingly has all the hours in the day to do everything. I don't get it. Like it's, it's frustrating that he's like all, he knows everything about NFL, everything about the NBA, knows a little bit about some other sports. He says he has time to watch all these movies and watch all these shows and binge all these shows. And yet he runs a company that was just sold to Spotify for $200 million or whatever it was. I'm like, what in the world, man? How do you have the time for all this stuff? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I think it's it's interesting you say that because I've been thinking a lot about that too myself. You know, as I'm hoping to grow uh, this the podcasting wing of of what I'm doing, uh, continue to write, get interested in other things. It, I, it's really just learning how to be efficient with your time, but yeah. also, you know, I'm sure there are tons of people behind the scenes that that work with Bill and uh, and even you know something I've admired of of his i think he has a pretty good eye for talent right um you know there are a lot of really cool podcasters on his platform folks that i still follow uh to this day so i think that that's something that i almost more than his individual output is just having an eye for talent and an ear for talent and i'm hoping to maybe do some of that here locally as well
0: that's awesome you're absolutely right because uh, I listened to um, Mallory Rubin and Jason Concepcion, their show on uh, on on Harry Potter, actually. Yeah. So they do binge mode on Harry Potter and, and Game Probably of my
1: favorite podcast ever. Binge really? Mode. Yeah. Oh I, my gosh. I think uh, Jason in particular is somebody that I really look up to in the industry. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, amazing. Like, they are just heart and soul into those programs and the preparation involved is just amazing and so yeah you're right the eye for talent bill simmons has that (laughs) yeah for sure but going back to 2014 in in your show you mentioned that it was involving yourself in the community and you know, talking about durham and you did 15 episodes or so about that so what were some of the ways that you were able to through your podcast involve yourself in that community
1: Yeah. So around that time, I was still pretty early on with the clothing company, um, that had started to pick up a little bit of steam, but was not my full-time job just yet. And I was spending a lot of time connecting with folks in the arts community. I kind of found my way through clarion content in these different spaces and was meeting a lot of people in arts, Pierce Freelon, uh, Professor Toon and the Real Law, Lila was a big band back then. There just, yeah, were a lot of folks sort of in the arts. And then, you know, gallery owners like Laura Ritchie with the Carrick. So I just I saw this opportunity to really understand what was happening in my hometown. You know, I was born and raised here. I didn't go off anywhere for college. I did two years at Durham Tech Community College and then two years at Central. So I've been in Durham pretty much my whole life and just felt compelled to want to continue to get to know it, to give back to it. And writing and doing media felt like the way that I was going to be able to do that. And so, yeah, I spent a lot of time at shows, connecting with folks, at art openings, um, at new restaurants. Just that was what sparked my curiosity. And, uh, you know, growing up here, I had a lot of People uh, that helped, sort of nudge me along, or like give me a support that I needed at various times in my life, and so I think as I got older, it felt almost like I had it was it was my duty to give back to Durham in the way that Durham had given to me as I was growing up. So, so the, the writing and the and the media really came from a place of wanting to like give voice to people not who were necessarily voiceless, but Just like had interesting stories to tell um, or were doing interesting things. And I had this opportunity to do that through my work. And so it was um, a great way for me to feel fulfilled in many ways and also to help shape this new Durham that was taking place in 2014.
0: Yeah. Tell me what the ask is like for people to come on your podcast. And, you know, you what I found is people love to hear themselves talk. And it's easy enough to ask people and get to those people that you wouldn't expect to be able to get to by saying, hey, do you want to come on my podcast? Um, But you've got a very set mission for the podcast in 2014 and and then the Buddy Ruski show now of, you know, making sure that you're getting the stories out there about the people in Durham and in the Triangle. So tell us, what what does that ask like, um, you know, when you're researching these people and, and finding the right people to talk to?
1: Yeah, it's funny you say that about people wanting to hear themselves talk because I've had almost the opposite experience really? where everyone I ask is, you know, I'm like, hey, do you want to come on my show? And they're like, I'm are they nervous I'm about it? it? Yeah, I think so. I think, and, and I totally understand that. I mean, I, I totally get where people are coming from, like not wanting to hear their own voice, not sure what they're going to talk about, feeling maybe a little too humble, like what they would say isn't important or that their own background is like, you know, seemingly wouldn't be interesting to other folks. Like all that stuff, I totally understand. So I try to um, make sure that I let folks know that as I'm inviting them onto the show, that I understand where they're coming from and that, you know, we'll build a conversation that feels natural, that feels like two people just hanging out in a room. And, And early on so far in the show, most of the folks that I've interviewed, pretty much everyone that I've interviewed has been someone I've had a prior relationship with. There's a little bit of a rapport there. They know I'm not going to come with any like gotcha questions or any anything like that. Um, but yeah, it it is interesting to think that there are definitely people who love to hear themselves talk. But most of my guests haven't been. I don't know if it's an artist thing or or what. But I think, you know, podcasting and, and getting on a microphone is a still a pretty new thing. Mm-hmm phenomenon uh i think social media has made folks slightly more comfortable with hearing themselves seeing themselves that sort of stuff but when you're in control of it there's a there's a comfortability there um that you lose a little bit when you're going on someone else's platform or you're someone else's you know behind the camera and so yeah there's a, a bit of a um a hurdle there but for the most fo- part folks have been awesome on the show it takes A little bit of time before we hit record just to kind of loosen up. And then uh,
0: we hit the ground running and and it ends up being great. So one of my favorite expressions is um, record drunk, edit sober. And that's something that you could use and you listening to this can use as well for any of those guests that might be a little hesitant about what they're going to say. Is that you can be totally loose in your recordings and you can say whatever it is that you want because you can always edit sober. And so, like, you can rest assured the guests, like anything, if you're stammering, if if it just doesn't work out, tell me afterwards. We can always edit it out. But you can be loose in the in the recording and you don't really have to be drunk. But, you know, if if your guest sometimes needs a a glass of wine or a beer or something to loosen up, sometimes that happens.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no, I'm definitely familiar with the, like, pre-record beer. Oh, yeah. um, At least early on. I mean, even now, I guess, it just, it again, even if it's tea, like, sometimes, I'll you know, I'll grab tea, just something that kind of breaks the ice a little bit and and gets folks feeling comfortable like they're at home. I mean, I've recorded in a few different settings now, um, so it is a little bit different when you're maybe recording over Zoom versus recording... You know, in a studio versus you know, I've had a couple of folks come to my house and record. So um, the setting is definitely a way to help to help like create Easy. an environment yeah, yeah that is uh, comfortable for your guest.
0: Yeah, for sure. So I want to talk about Durham specifically, and we'll get to that in in just a second. But what are some of the cool things that you've been able to do with podcasting with your media presence um, in your community um, that you know you wouldn't be able to normally?
1: So I did a show. This was 2021 in July of 2021. We did a. I did my first live show um, for Buddy Ruski. Um, I I worked with uh, DJ Rang, who a lot of local folks will definitely know. Oh, I know Rang. Yeah, he's yeah. he's a pretty prominent DJ here in the in the Triangle community. And so I worked with him. This was kind of in that weird. Lots of folks had gotten vaccinated. We thought maybe the pandemic was over. Space <laughs> that couple months where it was like, okay, it's cool to you know sort of be in crowds again. And so we did a show together. Um, I kind of opened a night of dancing with this panel discussion with a few folks, and we talked about sort of what's happening in Durham, what's happening in the arts community here, how can people support the arts, all that sort of stuff. And and, and it was great. And I hope to continue to do more of those so kind of tapping into that uh like community forum sp- uh space has been cool because i think that that is what folks will you know whenever we sort of we get on the other side of of the of what's happening now with the pandemic that they'll want to reconnect with their communities and so those live shows i think will be an opportunity to do that outside of that it's just given me a way to stay plugged in to my community, you know, as a, um, when I'm doing research for guests that I might want to bring on or when I actually have a guest on and I need to do pre-show research, um, you know, if they're a musician, I get to just like sit with their music and listen and dissect it. And Cameron from uh, roundhouse, he goes by foot rocket. Um, you, you all should definitely check out his music. I had him on my show and we got to really like dig into his album and I got to play, a snippet of some new music before it was released on the show, which is like, Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that you see people do when you're, you're coming up in the industry, whether it's on a radio show or podcast or something like that. And you're just like, man, it must be so cool to like be the show that they, they do that kind of thing on. And uh, so to have that opportunity just made me feel like I was headed in the right direction. And um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it will continue to open doors. I, I interviewed, I was, having trouble remembering who it was beforehand, but I did uh, interview Terrence Ruth, mm-hmm. who's running for mayor in Raleigh. And uh, he was somebody who I didn't have uh, sort of any prior relationship with beforehand. And, and that was a, that was a fun show. It was interesting because, you know, it's about, you know, it's about community and politics. So it's a little bit outside of my normal, my normal space in terms of conversations. And, but he, he was great. And it, it allowed me to break out of a, a mold that I had been in where I was just interviewing basically my friends and now is able to see, okay, what is it like to have somebody on that you have to sort of build a rapport with in real time? Yeah, I just yeah. listened to
0: that one. It was, it was um, so anybody who's listening to this, it's the, the Buddy Ruski show with Terrence Ruth, mayoral candidate. Uh, in Raleigh. And um, yeah, great guy. Um, and it was a super interesting interview there. So I'm, I'm curious to see what happens in the uh, in the fall, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For our audience, going back to the the live show, and I, I love doing live shows, like, there's just the energy about it. And with with our studio here in Durham, COVID pending, uh, we are going to do a podcast marathon in March, where we'll have Eight to ten episodes, back to back to back to back to back, and uh, it's it's we've done it before at our Raleigh Founders Studio. So much fun. We've done other events at UNC. We've done done other events at different locations and founded. Um, And there's that energy to it, and you get a crowd there and everything, and it's just something different. But for our listeners, like, how did you take the first step? Like, how do you even get started in reaching out to a space to put this on and put this event on? Like, how does that even happen? Something that I always think about, and this comes from, I think, being in
1: Durham, growing up in Durham, and but also this is something we carried with us through the clothing business is just that collaborative spirit, like thinking about not just, hey, can I come in and use your space to do my thing, but hey, how can we make this a mutually beneficial experience? And so, yeah, I would say if you're reaching out to a space, really think about, Uh, you know, ask the right questions, think about how can I create a a mutually beneficial opportunity here. And that's both with the, the owners of the space, but also thinking about the community that you're in. You know, if I were to go into, uh, like old North Durham and do a live show, that's going to be pretty different from if I go into East Durham and do a live show in terms of who shows up and, um, the types of businesses I might work with. And so I wanna be conscious of that and make sure that I am still you know, adhering to my own principles as a, as a journalist, but also thinking about like, how can this be, how can we amplify all of our messaging and our businesses uh, through this experience? So yeah, to me, folks in Durham are generally pretty receptive to that idea of collaboration. That was one of the things that I enjoyed the most, I think, working at Runaway was just all the opportunities we had to collaborate with other businesses.
0: Yeah, yeah, you said mutually beneficial. And that's the key, right, is making sure that it's not just about, hey, can we use your space? Um, it's it's how can this benefit your business? How can this benefit the community as a whole? And then another thing is you're really great at the relationships and you know, making sure that you already have these connections and so you're the type of guy that will have coffee with people or have a, a Zoom call with any any person, it seems like, you know, just to have those relationships and and be involved in the community. And so having those relationships already um, is, is key. And if you don't have those relationships, start working on them to if you want to be involved in your community.
1: Yeah. You know, having grown up here, I do feel a sense of ownership of Durham
0: and not it's evolved over time.
1: I think early on in my i guess career as a media practitioner um, the way that durham was changing felt very hostile to me i think because i had this and i had this vision of durham from growing up here but then also early on kind of where it could go and there it would be various things that would make me think that maybe durham won't be the the place that I had hoped um, in the future, and so over time, what I've tried to remember, and this this connects to this idea of like building relationships within spaces, is that the spaces themselves are less important to me than the people that occupy them, and so where like a you know a new high rise apartment building. Not gonna lie, it still kinda irritates me sometimes. But I, I like to think about, okay, there are people that are gonna live there, there are businesses, you know, hopefully they're gonna be um part of this establishment. How can I be a, you know, someone that can help bring people into the community in a healthy way and get them engaged in the things that I think matter here, as opposed to being outwardly hostile and sort mm-hmm. of pushing people away. Yeah, it's something that I am. I shouldn't say I've grown out of. I'm learning to adapt my thinking in that way um, because you know I think most folks feel this way f- about their own communities: is they have this. They they go to a place because they a- admire it for what it is at the time and become protective of it. And so anything that feels threatening to that can be you know difficult to wrap our heads around. And so yeah. for me. With the Buddy Ruski show, with the folks that I'm engaging with in the community, I, I'm hoping to be more of a, um, you know, a positive force in that change, as opposed to always thinking that any
0: new things are are bad. Yeah, it comes with age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I was reading one of your blog posts on uh, BuddyRuski.com. And you were talking about, and I didn't dig into into it too much, but you were talking about a tweet that you had sent to Austin Lawrence. Yeah. Um, and then now you're not so upset about that. Is that kind of what you were getting into? And, and Austin Lawrence, by the way, for those listening, runs the Unscripted and then uh, a lot of other buildings around Durham now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Liberty Warehouse. I think they still own Liberty Warehouse. They're building the new uh, the new tower that's going at the South Bank building. That's right. right. Here in five yeah. points. Yeah. So. That was an interesting experience. That was kind of, this was early on. I'll try to give like the 30 second spiel. But basically, this was early on in, um, I think, both Twitter's existence and Durham's evolution. And I think I'd seen a documentary about Austin. It's the company that I guess eventually became Austin Lawrence or got absorbed by Austin Lawrence, but the, the whole experience with the old Liberty Warehouse and the way that uh, that went for the artists and the building owner. It, it was like the epitome of what I was worried about in terms of Durham's change. And anyway, I got on Twitter as most people do, they get on Twitter, they say really <laughs> nasty things. And sure enough, there were a couple of representatives that came into the runaway store from Austin Lawrence partners. And I was like, Oh, this is interesting. Like I've never had my internet life sort of like present itself in such a, uh, such a real way. And, um, so we had, we had a, a, healthy dialogue for a few minutes and then they left. And uh, I hadn't, I, it's funny, I I hadn't really thought about that experience uh, up until recently when I, I wrote that blog post, but those are the types of things that I, yeah, I'm learning to uh, be more productive, I think, around.
0: Yeah, that is really funny. Um, I actually know um, Greg and Jane. Okay. The, yeah. the Hills from Austin Lawrence. Yeah um, a little bit. And, uh, I, if you want them for your show, I will see if I can connect you to, or that'd be great. Three
1: to <laughs> yeah. Do that. I would and, love. To, I mean, that's the thing is I'm trying to, I, I, I think my, my curiosity generally supersedes my, um, antagonistic behavior. And so, yeah, I, I, I for the most part, I mean, I don't want to give like a, a full, uh open call but f- you know for the most part I would I would host just about anybody on my show
0: well it's about the the discussions right like yeah you know they they have their own mission um for the community and um what they want to do for their company um you know like uh the the hotel that they took over in uh, the and I don't know a lot about it you know more about it than I do but from what I can read in the the indie was that it was just a, a very much rundown hotel, and they made it to to something nicer that that can be you know used and everything. But at the same time, there could be a different perspective on that, and there's different perspective on what they're doing with the bank, and a different perspective on this. So I think having the, a healthy dialogue around this is is really important.
1: Yeah, that's I think that's usually the case. Is that there are multiple sides to the story and. Um, and I think that's a tension that a lot of communities face is that there are things, any cause has multiple effects. And so it's difficult to say, okay, this is going to be good for Durham or this is going to be bad for Durham. Often it is both simultaneously, depending on who you're talking to. And so there's more nuance there. And, and you're right, it does come with age and experience. And I think that's been healthy for me. Uh, is to have that experience having, you know, owned a business in downtown Durham, having worked here. I mean, I got my first internship with a company called Shiftzen was here in American Underground in 2013. So I've been sort of in and out of this building specifically for, you know, nine years now. Um, and my perspective has, has certainly changed. But I think, yeah, that when you're when you're talking about storytelling, there's always these different angles and every person you know i have my biases uh, and i'm aware of that and i don't try not to shy away from them but it also means that i'll have gaps in my perspective and so um having folks on that can fill those gaps or that where we can have a a healthy dialogue about uh, something that maybe i'm upset about or or confused by it, and it's what journalists are supposed to do yeah um and it's It's hard, you know, but that's the gig. And that's, again, for me, my curiosity
0: generally is what drives me more than anything. So Mm -hmm. that's awesome. Um, So more on Durham, like what are some of your concerns right now? Uh, Let's get to concerns first, and then we'll get to what excites you about Durham. I I think your story about
1: unscripted hotel um, and, and redeveloping that is a good one to think about because downtown Durham for however long was basically empty you know most of my childhood well really all of my childhood i graduated from riverside high school in 2008 and i think the only thing that we did in downtown durham was go to the marriott for school dances there wasn't a whole lot happening wow. here for the most part it you know it was a pretty empty downtown and so there's this tension between okay it's it's cool to have stuff downtown now i think about kids that are growing up in Durham and have this opportunity to, you know, you know, for instance, like, uh, students at DSA, Durham School of the Arts is, is, right here downtown. If they wanted to like walk to, you know, toast for lunch, they could do that. That was not something that we kids when I was young could, could do. And so to me, that is that, I think that's a positive. Um, they, they can walk through, um, downtown and see, um, different entrepreneurs that they could look up to and, And speak with that are folks in their community, it's tough because I think there are aspects of the growth that do really excite me. There are a lot of businesses that have been created in the last decade that I have great relationships with, I think are incredible pillars of the community. You know, it's kind of hard to think about Durham and not think about them. Uh, Cocoa Cinnamon is a place that I go a lot. And I think Leon and Relly and all of their staff um, do a great job of um, being uh, good stewards of the community. And so, you know, you wouldn't have that without the growth. And so it's, it's again, goes back to that tension between how do we grow in a way that we can uphold our values, what we say our values are. Um, and I for me, it becomes, I guess, more difficult when when it feels like the owners of a space are often the distance and maybe are not as as invested in the community compared to you know having local ownership and the, you know that the like support local shop local movement has been around for some time it can be difficult to maybe connect the dots to what that actually means yeah. for some folks who owns the growth, who benefits from the growth? you know, who, who are we attracting to Durham? Um, are the folks that are moving here, moving here because it's trendy or because they have a certain, you know, affinity for, I don't know, I mean, I, there are, I guess, a lot of different values that I think about with Durham that, um, yeah, I just, I, I become Well, again, you mentioned, curious. Twice.
0: You mentioned values twice. Like what yeah. what would you say are the values of Durham then?
1: Supporting folks, even if they're not, Sort of in your direct vicinity, like even if they don't, they're not in your neighborhood, just this idea of supporting people, getting everybody on a level playing field, making sure that we're, that all this growth isn't just raising our ceiling, but also raising our floor Mm. Um, as a community when it comes to like the living wage. I think that's been a, a project of ours as a community for some time now. I think supporting our, uh, marginalized communities, whether it be our less, um, financially, uh, stable community members, whether it be our, our queer community, uh, all those things, um, come back to this idea of like support and keeping our most vulnerable in mind when we're decide, when, you know making decisions about, you know, building things, about legislation, um, all that. So yeah, it's, it is interesting you ask that because I, I, there's not like a, a constitution, you know. There's not a written document that we're all adhering to in Durham. It's community, and it's community in a way that is welcoming and is supportive, um, is creative. I think that was something that I always felt um, as a as a young entrepreneur in Durham was this sense of creativity. Uh, there was a, a thing that American Underground helped put on might have been 2014 um, called Paradoxus, and it was this like arts, tech, creatives festival downtown. It only happened one year, but it was like very DIY a few different businesses came together and to help put it on. Um, it was out, this was before one city center was built. Um, and there was this sort of big green field there. So a lot of the activity happened out in that field and it, yeah, it just was like th- that, to me felt like it was, it was spontaneous. It, you know, there was a, a certain amount of creativity there that as I think about the spaces that we're losing because of development, it becomes slightly more restricting, um, to have, to to do those kind of spontaneous creative things and and so i guess yeah i worry about that a little bit because i do think creativity is a is a important durham value
0: yeah yeah i'm hearing values of creativity inclusivity and i'm hearing a concern about uh wealth gap so yeah and and taking money away from durham to a degree if the the people that are owning everything are not truly involved in the community and we sit here at American Underground, which you know is all about diversity, inclusivity, creativity—all about those things. And you know, you work at Code the Dream, Sum. and it is—it is all about um, making sure the underrepresented are are giving an opportunity to code and work on apps and all these things. And so, it's different, and it's making sure that that seal, that that floor, is rising also. And yet, you know, we're in a building and we're at a, at, a, at a business that is owned by a big conglomerate, right? It's it's owned by Capital Broadcasting, and so like it, it's hard to to juxtapose those things and figure out like is everybody benefiting from this? I think so, um, but you know, there, it's it's tough to make sure that everybody is truly benefiting from from all this stuff. Oh, that's
1: a great point, and. I mean, I I we've had a a great relationship. Um, you know, working uh within American Underground, working with Capital Broadcasting. When I was at Runaway, we had um uh I guess it was three or four nights at the ballpark, um the Durham Bulls ballpark, which Capital Broadcasting also owns. We got to do a couple of Jersey nights there, um, which was really fun. And again, it's like, you know, through those relationships, it's not about being at the ballpark, it's about working with like-minded people who want to collaborate and get into the community. And to your point about like that tension between having these like bigger entities sort of shaping a lot of what's happening here. I think about it every day, just about, you know, it's, it's, it's a tension that every community has to, to some degree. And for me, I think it really just comes down to like, are you willing to, or how much you're willing to participate in, the, in sort of the greater good. And I think that it, it does become easier when folks are thinking local. I mean, you know, capital broadcasting, uh, while it is a substantially large, um, entity is a, is a local um, institution. And so they're a little more accessible than, other groups that might be participating in the growth in downtown Durham. So it's challenging, but that that would be my my ask, or just like the the thought that I have often is, um, you know, how much are you thinking about participating in your local community and and what you can can give to it? Because um, what I worry about is using Durham more as a playground. Than as like a community where people live and have to you know pay bills and like raise children and and that sort of thing and there are you know stories from other communities where this kind of rise and fall has happened before and so mm-hmm. i would hate to see that
0: for the community that i've called home my whole life yeah durham was incorporated in 1860 something 69 1869 Wow. I almost got that right. Um, 1869. And one thing that's exciting is the first black female mayor was elected. Is that right? Elaine O'Neill. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's kind of sad that it, it took that long, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, pretty exciting. Can you talk about uh, that at all?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It is sad. And, and, you know, unfortunately there are a lot of things like that where, You'll be surprised and also not surprised, not specifically to Durham, but but in general. I, I recently, um, I'm a big NBA junkie, and um, Becky Hammond, who's been a, a longtime assistant for the San Antonio, San Antonio Spurs, recently got a, a head coaching job with the WNBA. And there were a lot of folks that thought she would be the one to take over for the current Spurs coach and become the first woman head coach in the NBA. And she was also um,
0: su- supposed to get the Portland job.
1: But, yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, um, yeah, while we we as a country think of ourselves as maybe moving in a progressive direction, there are still a lot of shortcomings there. And um, But specifically to Durham, you know, I think it's great. I, I uh, have known Steve Shull most of my life. Um, he's been a big supporter of mine over the years, both through coaching, sports. He also uh, lives close by to me, so he and I have been neighbors for a long time. You know, he had a difficult job Working within the sort of constraints of what he could do as Durham was uh, growing and changing, and um, I think you know Elaine will have a a similar challenge. Um, there are things happening in, in the community right now, both with you know COVID, with with crime, and some of the the issues that we're dealing with with violence here in Durham. So I, I think that yeah, her her um, path will be challenging, but I, I hope that we. We'll continue to to rally around our city officials. I don't know Elaine personally. I, I met her at one event, um, but I, I'm hoping to get a chance to to get to know her and 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 all of our new city council members because, yeah, I I think that that's really, you know, our our city government is in some ways as good as our participation in it, and so as much as I was engaged in politics because I had sort of friends, um, both Steve and more recently with with Pierce being there and even um, other folks on the council that I've had the pleasure of meeting. Um, you know, I don't want that to stop now that I don't have this personal connection. Um to I think that's a very it's funny because I would say that to to folks that, you know, if I was traveling or whatever, I'd be like, oh yeah, I, I know the the mayor, the mayor of Durham and I are on on, you know, we're buddies, we're on good terms. And I never really thought about like how strange that actually is, <laughs> yeah. um, to, to have that kind of relationship. So I don't, I try not to take that for granted. Um, and, and, you know, would love to have a, um, a good relationship with Elaine to, you I know, mean, it makes it sound like she, she like needs to have one with me or would like benefit greatly from being my friend. I don't, that's
0: not what I'm trying to get at, but At the same time you've got a voice and you've got a a podcast um you've got listeners and it'd be a way to get her to talk to the community you know through your show so
1: yeah no i i'm I'm glad you said that because i i think that that's um you know as i'm thinking about other ideas for for shows for content both for the buddy ruski show but other um podcasts that i'm interested in developing i think that that's it all comes back to building community and so um, if that's something that Elaine and, and, and other folks on the city council or whoever, um, you know, other business owners is, are interested in doing, I, I would like to, you know, to, to help with that in, in a way that makes sense. It's awesome.
0: Well, let's wrap with this and then we'll get to a couple of fun questions. Podcasters, you and I have a voice, have listeners. Um, the listeners to this have voices as well. If, if they're podcasters and what's, what's one way that we as podcasters can make a difference in our community?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, narrowing it down to one. All right, here we go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that, especially on a, on a local level, I, I'm actually surprised at how few podcasts and like YouTube shows and stuff there are. I think that there is a, a filter to the top with a lot of media. Um, and particularly new media uh, whether it be you know YouTube and video or podcasting it it all seems to everyone's kind of reaching for how do I get to the New York Times how do I get to Vox or CNN or whatever and I, I think that local media has really suffered in that regard in terms of adopting uh, new media as a way to communicate you know with our communities and um, and so there's a real opportunity there I think for podcasters specifically, because people are listening to podcasts all the time. And so I think on a local level, there's a real opportunity to engage and you know present information that folks aren't getting. Like it would be cool to see us as media professionals start to like coalesce more into bigger groups that can have a bigger impact and not stay siloed in our individual like influencer spaces i guess that's kind of what i'm trying to get at is that yeah there are folks here doing good work but i think in a very like power rangers voltron way yeah. if we can sort of uh, collaborate more um there might be opportunities to build yeah bigger groups that have more of an impact
0: yeah i think we have the opportunity to do that here you know you and i and the, the podcasters around here um but i love your answer as far as making a difference and You know, to your point on the media companies around here, they are short staffed. There's also that pressure to put out what might not be hard hitting news and might not they might not have the time to really do the story justice with podcasts. You can be much slower, much more methodical, dig much deeper into what you actually want to say. And there's not that pressure there. The other thing is a lot of these companies are owned by bigger companies, right? And that's okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like Raw Today in, in Raleigh, and they cover the triangle. Um, it's a, a newsletter that comes out 6 a.m. every day. Love them. Also, they are owned by a bigger company um, called 6 a.m. City, which has about 24 different locations and they're growing rapidly. So as involved locally as they are, they still have to answer to this higher conglomerate. You know, same thing with um, oh, I had to, oh, same thing with TBJ uh, Triangle yeah. Business Journal. Like they are a big company of bizjournals.com, and so as much as they are involved in the community, like they have that constant pressure of coming up with these stories because they have to answer to their investors, they have to answer their to their business owners. Podcasters just don't have that pressure. Yeah, I think just
1: to tack on something on the end there, I, you know, that goes back to the um, question about development too. You know, when developers are local, do you have access to them? They're potentially more willing to be flexible, be creative, be collaborative. Um, and and media is suffering from a similar thing. I can't think of a media institution here locally that isn't, I guess with the exception of Capital Broadcasting Company. Um, owned by a larger institution, the NNO, the Herald, mm-hmm. um, Indie, I believe, same thing. So um, not to despair is the work that they do because you're right. They do have a, a tough job to get all these stories out, you know, on a daily basis that are important to our community. Um, but I think podcasters and, and new media can help supplement that um, in a way uh, that could be really
0: beneficial. Yeah, for sure. Well, Justin, this has been awesome. Um, let me end on a, a couple of fun questions for you. All right, so you've been podcasting since 2014. Um, what was your most memorable interview?
1: <laughs> it, I feel like the right answer is it's like picking your favorite child. Um, you know, they're, they're <laughs> all uniquely different. I, I learn something different each time. Um, I will say and it's not just because it's, um, the most recent one I did, but I I interviewed, um, Jason Kuchma, he was the most recent episode on the Buddy Ruski show. Um, he is a, a musician. Um, he ran for political office in Idaho where he lives now. Um, but he, if you were in downtown Durham in sort of like the 2010 to 2015 era, he is unmistakable. And, uh, it just was, he, he doesn't live here in Durham now, um, but was back home visiting for a little while and I was able to snag him for an interview. Um, and it, we kind of t- you know, talked about all these very nostalgic things about early Durham and, and music and his career. And um, he was someone that I always looked up to uh, professionally uh, coming up, even though he, he's not necessarily a journalist, but just someone who um, I thought had a really interesting story. And uh, so being able to talk to him after all this time, was was really fun. Some other ones. I mean, I think doing the show with Steve Shule, even though it was separate from the Buddy Ruski show, it just was like a, a format that I thought was interesting. Having you know a citizen and a um, person in government share space and and talk about ideas openly like that, um, in a way that wasn't necessarily uh, me interviewing him, but him being able to respond and ask me questions, and that just yeah was a was a cool format. And the first time that I'd really done video. Um, as well so yeah I, I wish I had it like a uh, yeah, this was the best show this one right here and I could circle it but I think each time I try to do things you know maybe one thing slightly different or I learn something new so um, it's it's been a fun journey I'll say that it's been really fun to to be part of the podcaster community and to use that platform to connect folks.
0: All right what is your favorite? Non sports podcast,
1: yeah. I um, that's a great question. I mean, I, we talked about it early on. I think binge mode, uh, with, with Mallory and Jason, um, over at the Ringer. Uh, Jason's now over at, at Crooked
0: Media. Um, doing well, so. A what do you, shows. do you like? The Harry Potter? Do you like Game of Thrones? Do you like yeah. Avengers? Um, which, which I mean, I, I
1: listened to all of them. I think, um, they're actually the reason that I even started Game of Thrones, I was not someone who was watching it in real time. Um, but knowing, having uh, sort of known their work through The Ringer, I can't remember now if Game of Thrones was the first show they did. I think it was Harry Potter was the first version of, of Binge Mode that they did. And um, just listening to the, how they like dive really deep into the, the the context of the story, how light and fun it was. I think before that, I was listening to a lot of political podcasts that, you know, can can T- they tend to trend dry and the subject matter can be kind of depressing. <laughs> and so hearing the kind of rapport that they had, just the both, it was like a very intellectual show, but also very fun and the research they would do for, to prepare for the show. I just really admire that show a lot. So I, even now um, we'll go back and listen to them uh, just like for fun to sort of examine them again, just to like, be in that headspace um with them that that's yeah will continue to be high on my list um i also listen to ezra klein show a lot he is like exceptionally good at asking the right questions but also bringing on guests and having conversations like good honest open conversations with people that i know he doesn't agree with mm. and it's i mean that is that is the challenge we're all facing right now is, is connecting with people, you know, quote unquote, across the aisle that we may not have a lot in common with on the surface, but he is able to, yeah, get them to open up or to think differently. He, he often talks about how those conversations change his mind on things. And so I, I, my early on, at least I emulated a lot of my show off of his because of that mentality in particular, being curious, being open, being willing to be challenged um, and, to, and to respond um, and challenge others in a way that creates um, healthy dialogue. So yeah, Binge Mode, Ezra Klein's show. Um, and more recently, similar to Ezra, um, Derek Thompson, who's a writer at The Atlantic, uh, he has a new podcast now through The Ringer and Spotify called Plain English. Oh, yeah. uh, where he kind of breaks down uh, more complex ideas uh, to, to to make them more palatable for folks. So I've enjoyed his writing for a long time. So I'm really happy to see him enter the podcasting space. And I'm actually reading his book right now, Hitmakers, which is is really fascinating. So yeah, he, he didn't ask me to plug his show. I don't know him, but, <laughs> but I will definitely plug his show.
0: Um, That's awesome. I, yeah. I have not listened to that show yet, but I've been wanting to. So I'll, I'll have to do it now. Um, all right, Justin, last question here. Um, you've got some friends coming in from out of town. Um, you're in Durham. Where do you take them to dinner?
1: Oh man. I love this. I love this question. So, th- so this is tricky because I I know a decent amount of restaurant owners in Durham. And I feel like if I say one, then I'm going to get a phone call from five <laughs> others. Um, but I, I'll, I'll sort of rapid fire a couple. Cause I think, you know, it kind of depends on what you're, um, what you're interested in uh if you have any vegan vegetarian folks in your in your midst dashi is a place that i i love to go a lot um i'm a, a big fan of uh ramen so i'll definitely think about dashi both for the food and the ambiance um i just like sitting in there uh izakaya bar upstairs luna is a place that i i really love they have great vegan vegetarian options toast big fan of toasts uh they're uh, a Ninth Street Bakery, um, Boricua Soul down in American Tobacco Campus. I should say that I I work there, you know, once a week, once every other week. So um, it's I guess that's the disclosure that I'll give you is I I have some connection to um, to that restaurant, but the food is great. I, I I'm uh, will be as objective as possible in my answer there. Um, so yeah, th- that feels like a, a good. Sort of selection of yeah. places and then I, you know i end up at parts and labor at motorco a lot just because it's one of the few places that's open late um if you're looking for bar food um so i'll tack parts and labor on there as well
0: nice well justin laylaw from the buddy ruski podcast thank you so much for coming on the show how can people connect with you
1: um yeah on on any social platform um, twitter and instagram specifically i'm, I'm probably on the most um, i'm on twitter a good amount probably more than I should be um so yeah at buddy ruski on on twitter on instagram on linkedin as well um if folks want to connect with me personally on linkedin that's cool justin laidlaw um I'm happy to do that I'm I'm pretty accessible and then yeah check out the website go to buddyruski.com. you know read the the articles that are up there, listen to the podcast, send me an email, tell me what you think. Um, Sign up for the newsletter, right? Sign up for the newsletter, yep. You can sign up, you know, uh, you can sign up to be a a supporter of the website on on com as well. Um, So yeah, check me out there. Uh, I am working on developing a new show that um, maybe I'll premiere at the podcast marathon. We'll see if I can get it together by then. but yeah, a lot of things coming in 2022. So um, hit me up on any of the social accounts or the website. I'm, I'm available.
0: Awesome. That's uh, Justin Laidlaw from buddyruski.com. B-U-D-D-Y-R-U-S-K-I.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the EarFluence podcast. If you are looking for full-service podcast production or just to talk about podcasts, hit us up at earfluence.com or email info at earfluence.com. I'm Jason Gillikin, and we'll see you next time on the EarFluence Podcast.